0: Well, today is week four in a string of sermons that we have called Wish I Knew That Sooner. Lessons passed on. You know, we're gonna be only healthy as a people, only flourish as humans. Only grow as a church to the extent that older folks pass down to younger people. Back in the day, uh, this letter that we're looking at was somewhere written somewhere in uh, AD 62 to 64 from Rome to a leader, Paul, to a leader, a young leader, Timothy at the church of Ephesus. At one point, he says, Hey, I've laid hands on you. I've laid hands on you to stir the gift of God that is within you this was before a virus Uh, this was before WHO the World Health Organization or the CDC the Center for Disease Control there was no COVID-19 they could be within six feet of each other the church the people of God are people embodied and we get close to each other and Paul is saying with deep affection I have laid hands on you to stir up this gift That is within you a moment ago. You saw a couple of our staff introduce our new student pastor Chris Mixon We're excited that he can be strategically involved in our church to help and invest in the lives of young people to say I see something in you and I want to stir that up That's what this series is about And so we are here looking today at how to deal with toxic people earlier this week. I was with a small group a select group of friends and I we had about an hour together and I asked them to take some time in the group for silence to think about the question that I posed to them what is hard what's difficult what's really tough in you right now you don't even have to share your answer I wanted them to kind of do business with their heart I wanted them to ask God to search their hearts we shared as a group those that wanted to in fact everyone shared the answers I heard were this is a difficult time for me I'm discontent I'm angry I'm frustrated one person shared it's hard for me right now to give grace to people it's a toxic culture that we're living in and there are toxic people you can't have a toxic culture without toxic people so at the outset I ask you today what part are you playing Are you adding to the hate, to the division, to the toxicity? Are you bringing harmony and peace? What's hard for you right now? What work do you need to see God do? I want you to look at the screen and look at three. I want to draw a contrast and just share a little bit before we get into what we're talking about, uh, toxic people. There are people that are different from you, agree? There are people that are difficult for you. Agree? Can I get an amen from the house church this morning? And then there are people who are toxic. But before we look at the, fir- the last one, our subject today, from First Timothy 6, I want us to consider people who are different and difficult. Luke and Mark record for us in the Gospels where Jesus was in a boat on a lake. And he was in a boat on a lake because he was popular. The crowds had gathered, and the only way for everyone to hear him was to be in a boat on a lake. And he, to the disciples, he said at one point, Luke 8, he said, quote, let's go over to the other side. Now, that's a technical term. Yes, it involves geography, but it's so much more than that. Don't miss it this morning. Jesus told his disciples, let's go over to the other side, the, over side, the other side for them, over to the other side for them, was a place called Decapolis. It meant 10 cities. It was a collection of cities or villages, if you will. To the Jewish people, it represented an evil place. It represented pagan people. It, the Jewish people considered it to be evil and oppressive and demonic and even to some extent dangerous. But Jesus, out of his heart, reflecting the character of God... Mindful of what he wanted to build and the type of people that he wanted to produce, he said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side. Jesus wants us in following him to realize that we need to love people who are different than us. People unlike us, people where we have to go out of our way to get to know them. So this morning when we talk about how to deal with toxic people, because First Timothy is strong and therefore because I will be strong, let's make sure that we understand that Jesus wants us to love people who are different from us. Let's go over to the other side. I pray that we would be a people formed in the image of Jesus who can say that very thing and who can live that way. Let's go over to the other side. We are called to love everybody. Specifically, we're called to love people who are different than us. Second category you see are people who are difficult. This same Savior who told his disciples, let's go over to the other side, said to love your neighbor and also to love your enemy. Yesterday, a great civil rights leader, John Lewis, passed away. He was 80 years old, born in 1940, and passed away in 2020, just yesterday. I remember one time as a younger man hearing John Lewis say, he could have been quoting somebody else, but he said, Jesus told us to love our neighbor and love our enemy. Maybe because many times it's the same person. We love our neighbor we love our enemy. We turn the other cheek. We go the extra mile. We go out of our way to love people who are difficult. Listen to me. Just as weightlifting strengthens your muscles, just as cardio can build your heart, so difficult people can form you and shape you into what Jesus wants you to be. As a human, you're not going to grow without difficult people. You say, why, God? Does it have to hurt? Why do I have to deal with difficult people. God actually calls us to love difficult people. Take heart, you could be the difficult person in somebody else's life. Here's how God works I'll tell you the truth. Listen, Moses had Pharaoh, David had Saul, John the Baptist had Herod, Esther had Haman, um, uh, on and on and on. Jesus had Judas. God puts difficult people in our lives to grow us. I think of David and Saul, so many other God puts difficult people in our lives to grow us. We're called to love them. If you are struggling in being a loving person, God will put someone in your path who seems unlovable. If you need to develop patience, God is going to put a difficult person in your life to grow you in that area of patience. If you need to learn to have hard conversations and confront others in love, he'll put an intimidating person in your life who is actually hard to confront so that you will learn to grow in following him. So this morning, as we start, let's be clear, we're called to go to the other side, to to love people that are different than us. We're called to love our neighbor and our enemy, to turn the other cheek, to go the extra mile, to love people who are difficult. This morning, our focus is how do we deal with a toxic person? I wanna say this, a toxic person, they are, uh, their number is is actually small but their impact and influence is very great a toxic person can can ruin a family gathering a toxic person can end a friendship a toxic person can run a business into the ground and this morning as many of us are hurting angry discontent frustrated having a hard time showing grace to other people let me say that how you deal with toxic people in a toxic culture will largely affect whether you feel emotionally drained or emotionally full. One more time. How you deal with emotionally or with toxic people in a toxic culture will determine how emotionally drained you feel or how emotionally full that you feel. So today, first Timothy chapter six, we're just going to look at two verses, and here they are on the screen. Paul, to Timothy, is talking about leaders, leaders that have gone off the path, people that are toxic. He says this, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Hard words, would you agree? Hard words because it's necessary. Hard words because he's not just talking about people that are different. He's not just talking about people that are difficult. He's talking about people who are toxic and downright evil and don't have other people's interest in mind. I know someone who posts daily on social media and this person's post or always combative and controversial, designed to incite outrage. It would be somewhat understandable if it was one passionate issue that this person was excited about. But it's different topics, but the same method every time. I want to incite outrage. I want to get you going. There's screenshots. This person puts screenshots of private direct messages or text messages up for public fodder for the spectacle of comments that are below, that are very, very toxic. Let me ask you this. Are you more interested in tearing people down or encouraging them in? Are you? Is your focus, your conversations, your posts, the way that you go about your life, the orientation of your heart, is it more to tear people down or to encourage them in? So how do we know if a person is toxic? Paul tells Timothy, I'm going to go with him. As I lead my life and my family and love and try to serve well here at Fondren Church, I want to take my cues from the scripture. I would tell you personally that I've known a few toxic people who drain me, who discourage me, who distract me. And there comes a time when we need to properly deal with toxic people. Notice the words of Paul. He says that these folks are conceited. They're conceited and they don't know really much of anything. They're lacking in understanding. And as you saw, it goes on to say they have an unhealthy interest in controversy and quarrels. And there's a result. If you have an unhealthy interest, not a healthy one, but an unhealthy interest in In conflict and quarrels, it's going to result, as he says here, in some really dangerous things. Things that don't give life to people. Envy and strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction. He again calls out the toxic leaders who are hurting the cause of Christ in the church. He says, because leadership is about motive. Remember we talked in week two that a leader... Leadership in the church, it starts at home. We need to invest in our integrity, and then we always need to seek to serve. The motive of our heart really matters in leadership, and it's vital in the church. And what we're seeing here in 1 Timothy 6 is there are certain toxic leaders that come in and infiltrate, and their motives aren't right. Their motives are power and money and greed, and they're toxic. So, strong language, but necessary. Remember what I'm saying this morning. I firmly believe that toxic people, their numbers are small, but their influence is great. And maybe you've been inflicted. Maybe you've seen a toxic person ruin a family gathering, run a business into the ground, uh, hurt and end a friendship. Perhaps you've seen that, so you hear this today with a bit of pain. Let me give you some wisdom from Scripture, the Bible, the life of Jesus, on how we're to deal With a toxic person. The first thing I want to tell you is I say this from the bottom of my heart, prune them suckers. Prune them suckers. Years ago, in a a couple of houses ago, we live here in Fondra now, we have for eight years, but it was the house before the house before this one, there was an oak tree. And it was back in the day when I was doing things around the yard, I would cut the grass and attend to things. Susan fired me from that job now. But I was handling things, and there was an oak tree that uh, I saw its potential, but its actual was kind of messy. Uh, There were stems and sprouts growing from it. And I remember looking at it thinking, this is kind of a bushy clump. It's just, it's not really much of a tree and we need to attend to it. So I Googled a little bit and learned that the stems on this oak tree were called suckers. And the suckers, as the name implies, drain nutrients, water, life out of the tree. Drains, it, it distracts, it, if you will, discourages the oak tree from being all that it can be. And so Google told me, several sources in the search engine told me that I should prune them suckers. So those stems and sprouts, I cut them off so that the tree could be all that it was meant to be. It ended well as the tree grew. At somebody else's tree, they get to enjoy the shade of what God and I did together all those years ago. Same thing. Same thing for you. Same thing for you with a toxic person. Remember, let's love different people. Let's go to the other side. Let's work through the difficult relationships that we have. Remember, we're called to forgive and forbear. That means we work through things. But when there are people, when there are people who have an unhealthy interest in quarrels and controversy, and the result is envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, constant friction, then we need to prune them suckers. I read a book a couple of years back by an author named Gary Thomas. Gary Thomas wrote this book. He's written many, some that you've heard of, some famous ones. But he wrote a book called When to Walk Away. In fact, let me say it now. If you're wondering about some toxicity in your life, I would recommend this book. Gary Thomas, When to Walk Away. And in the, in his writing he cataloged 41 times in the gospel narratives where Jesus walked away. He walked away from something toxic. He walked away from a sucker From someone, something that would distract him, discourage him, or drain him from the mission that God had in his life. He walked away from the crowds many times over. Jesus walked away from the crowd that wanted him to do something. He had not, he had done great things, but it wasn't enough. He had, could never do enough for some people in the crowd. And hear me today. Today, there is still a never enough crowd. Do you know that that's a feeling that you'll get around a toxic person? Not only will they drain and discourage you and distract you, but they'll make you feel like it's never enough. And I want to say today for somebody that's hurting because of a toxic person, you're healing. And I want us, as we preach the word, to be a part of that healing in your life. You are enough. In Christ Jesus, you are enough. And there is a time when you need to walk away. Listen, Jesus did do you know that when someone lobs an insult at you when someone a toxic person is seeking a controversy a quarrel that would result in envy strife malicious talk evil suspicion constant friction when that happens listen walk away you don't even have to respond to them prune them suckers walk away you don't have to respond peter Peter walked closely with Jesus. Look what he said about the life of Christ in retrospect in 1 Peter 2, 23. He said, when they hurled their insults at him, the last days of his life, not when he was popular in a boat with a crowd, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, here we go, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. When someone is toxic, You don't have to throw toxic back at them. Jesus was insulted, but he did not retaliate. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 4.13, this mentor, sharing with his mentee, Timothy, for the church at Ephesus, said this to the church at Corinth. When we are slandered, Paul's talking about him and the apostles. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth. Do you know that was in the Bible? We become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. Paul probably hurt a little bit, probably felt the pain of what was hurled at him, but said, we don't have to answer this. We can prune those suckers. We can walk away. We don't have to respond. Jesus Paul and the Apostles, I think in more modern example, Mother Teresa. Years back, Mother Teresa, most of you know, I think all of you know, a lot about her great work, at least some of her great work, serving in the slums, in an orphanage in the slums of Calcutta, one of the great dire and desperate places in all the world. And she served with such humility and self-sacrifice and faithfulness. But a few years back, Christopher Hitchens wrote... Co wrote and produced a documentary about her life that was entitled Hell's Angel. A title that was a name call to Mother Teresa and to the work that she did. He referred to her, he had built a case against her and called her Hell's Angel. She never got distracted, she definitely got discouraged. She never got distracted by those who would wanna do that, to those who would wanna suck the life out of this great noble work that she was involved in. So how do you respond to a toxic person? The first thing I'm telling you is to prune them suckers. The second thing is here, pursue what matters. If you run away from something that's evil or toxic or bad, you're gonna go into a vacuum. You need more than a vacuum. Notice what Paul tells his young protege, Timothy. Look down, if you would, at 1 Timothy 4.11. We caught you you unaware this morning. Uh, Here's the passage on the screen. 1 Timothy 4.11. He says this, but you, man of God, building him up, he had laid hands on, he had stirred the gift up of God in him, flee from all this, all this toxicity, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. There you go. If you just walk away from a temptation, if you walk away from a person or part of a culture that is toxic, you need to go somewhere good to ensure. It's called, psychologists have a name for this, a phrase for this. They call it a replacement principle. So replace it with something. And Paul is telling young Timothy in the church at Ephesus, man, pursue righteousness and godliness, faith and love, endurance and gentleness. Six traits right there that are worth going after and let me tell you i got a personal testimony this week from a man i've known him for years he used to think that his strength was his anger his strength was in the alcohol his strength was in the power that he had that he could wield over other people but jesus got his attention and he went low and he is learning about the strength of gentleness about pursuing gentleness listen to me men in particular it becomes toxic for us if we think power And anger is going to produce something good in us and in the lives of our families. And this man sat with me this week and said, he told me, and I've seen it, I've heard it, the work that Christ Jesus is doing in his life, pursue gentleness, pursue these things, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. I pray, I pray that we have the endurance to get through this season that we need to get through. Do you know Christianity, our faith was born out of people who penned letters from prison, who wrote songs in caves, who walked through a wilderness. We can get through this. We can endure. And those are the things that we ought to pursue. So I want to give you, as as we begin to close, three words that will help us do these two things with anybody potentially toxic in our life. The first word is the name Jesus. Hear me this morning. He died for our sins. He is the light of the world. He hung on a cross. He died a brutal death on our behalf and he rose from the dead. He has called us into his way of life to experience this salvation. One day, my dead body will be resurrected and I will see Jesus face to face. I will be in a new heaven and a new earth where everything is made new. Hear me now today, I don't have to be a person full of shame shaming other people. I don't have to go to the level of toxicity that exists in our culture. Jesus calls us to a better way. A writer named Bob Goff ministered to me this week in a moment when I needed it in his new book. And he says the best way to show people that God is everything we say he is, is to be everything he says we are. The best way to show people that God is everything we say he is, is to be the people, to be everything that he says we are. To live that out. Hear me, I've been tempted to be the toxic person. When I've become difficult in the life of somebody, God's grace has veered me to the path of following Jesus more closely. I don't have to be a shame filled person shaming other people. That's what Jesus offers. A second word is this word unity. Jesus prayed a prayer in John 17. Y'all, it's one of my life verses. If you have been a regular attendee of this church, if you've been in my life any time over the last nine to 20 years, you've seen me talk a lot about John 17. Scholars call it Christ's high priestly intercessory prayer, where he prays toward the end of his life, at the very end of his life. Father, I pray that these disciples would be one. He was praying for these men, but he was praying for those, as it says in John 17, 20, and 21, he was praying for those who would believe on him through their word. And Jesus was teaching us something that we have corrupted and distorted and polluted through the millennium. He was teaching us, as he had demonstrated to us, that the world will believe the message to the extent that we are unified. What divides us? What divides us? today right now in 2020 we're divided by a lot we're divided by statues by monuments and flags and masks a simple face covering is it politics is it public health disunity is all around us you know what i found in a toxic culture like ours that we have some people who've never led anything, who think they know how to fix everything. What we need is unity. I want to say to whoever needs to hear it today, Jesus loves his church. One of the things I want to do the remainder of the year and into next is to tout the beauty of the church and how beautiful it is when we are unified. It's easy to do this, but it's not helpful when you highlight the dumb things that some fringe churches are doing. When the vast majority of local churches I know are giving themselves, investing themselves, are on the front lines of tackling the big problems. This this week on Thursday, I met with a pastor, the pastor of Word of Life, Joel Sims, and a friend of mine who pastors next door, Donovan Thigpen of one church. A black guy, two white guys. The white guys, very different. But we sat in unity and we talked about the local church and the people we know who are sacrificing faithfully to tackle the biggest, most pressing problems of our city. Crime, homelessness, fatherlessness, housing, education. Let us be more and more unified. Don't take time. Don't take to social media. Posting The dumb things that French churches are doing. Let's highlight the beautiful work that God is doing. Jesus, unity, and grace. Quick question. Why do your words have to be harsh? Why does your tone have to be so angry? Why do we have to go after people the way we do? He gives us his grace. I'm thankful for his grace in my life. I'm thankful that people have come to me in critical times and with gentleness have helped me and shown grace. We talked a few weeks ago about the cancel culture, the spirit of it, got you, caught caughtcha, you, done with you. But grace in Jesus says, I am not done with you. How do you deal with toxic people? Prune them suckers. Pursue what matters. Three words to help us, Jesus, unity, and grace. So as we close, I want to ask you three questions. Here they are. First question, how's the harmony in your life? Romans 12, one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, we've got a couple of small groups that are... um, Going through Romans this summer. How's the harmony in your life? Romans 12, Paul says, as much as possible, live at peace with others. As much as possible, live at peace with others. Now, I think there's connotations there. God will strengthen you to give you the power, to give you the possibility to live at peace. But also, you have to yield. You have to submit because there are some people who don't want peace. And That could be the toxic person. That could be the one who could distract you and drain you and discourage you. How's the harmony in your life? Are you more interested in tearing people down or encouraging them in? Man, 2020, y'all, we are looking for hope and positivity and optimism. The church needs leaders to say, hey, these things aren't good, but there is a better way. And here's the path. And God, he will do his thing. Second question, is there anything in you that's veering toward toxic? Easiest thing. Listen, I'm leery, I'm leery, leery. I'm leery of us labeling people as toxic. It's easy just to say, "Ah, oh, that person's toxic. Oh, I'm healthy and that person's toxic and that person is really, really toxic. By the way, there's nobody in these pews today so I can point. That person's toxic and they're toxic and they're toxic, but I am Healthy not so fast my friends what in you could be veering toward toxic and the final question is this is there a relationship in your life that's toxic i'd love for you to read that book that i recommended when to walk away you know we have pastors and counselors here pastors that do counseling We'd love to meet you somehow, some way, and talk you through something difficult. Maybe you could get vulnerable with your group of people if you're in a small group. Is there a relationship in your life that's toxic? Look, unhealthy interest and controversy and quarrels. The result is envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction. You're not going anywhere in that relationship. It's time. Would you pray with me today? Wherever you are, could be driving. Don't close your eyes. If you're home, you may want to take that posture of prayer. Maybe just pray these three questions back. You could pray them aloud and interact with God. Ask God to shine a light, even if it hurts, to shine a light on you. How's the harmony in your life? is there anything in you that's veering towards becoming toxic and is it time for you to make a tough decision about a toxic person look this is a strong passage we've looked at but that's okay and it's good because when you love something you're strong on its behalf love protects love defends love roots out what is evil that's what leaders do and let me say this by word of just pastoring the church has been damaged by leaders who haven't led it well at home, who haven't invested in their te- integrity, who are not seeking to serve. God, heal us, heal us, and help us to have godly women and men who leave. Father, may your word go forth. May anybody, everybody who's had something stirred up in them take a step towards you. Father, strengthen our sense of community strengthen our counseling, our pastoral work here, and even though the doors have been shut for some time, Lord, your work continues on. Jesus, unity, and grace. In you we pray, amen.